Well, again, good morning. Welcome. I'm Jeff Strong. I'm one of the pastors here at Nelson Covenant Church, and I want to thank you for joining us for our Good Friday message and time of communion. Uh, I imagine this year has primed us to enter into Good Friday in an especially personal and poignant way. If you think about the themes that kind of swirl around Good Friday, betrayal, desertion, accusation, grief, disunity, death, probably one or all of those have been amplified for each of us during this pandemic. And that makes my job a little bit easier in the sense that I don't need to work very hard to connect Good Friday to our current lived experience. I don't have to work very hard to make Good Friday and its themes emotionally relevant to each of us. All I need to do is to show you how Good Friday speaks into these things in a way that no other event can or will. On Good Friday, Christians pause to remember and to ponder and to celebrate the sacrifice that makes eternal life and eternal hope even possible. It's a day where we spend time in wonderment and worship. And today I want to walk through three scriptures that help frame the significance of Good Friday to us. One scripture that was given before the events of Good Friday, one scripture that outlines the events of that day, and then a third looking back in time at the significance of Good Friday for each of us. So the first scripture I want to look at is Isaiah chapter 53. If you have a Bible, you can turn in it. I invite you to. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the New International Version. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up a tab in your next internet browser, look up Isaiah 53 NIV, and probably Bible Gateway or another Bible tool will show up and you can follow along. This is actually a prophecy given to the prophet Isaiah 400 years before Jesus arrives on the scene. And it explains that God is going to be sending an anointed one, a coming one. And in this powerful section of scripture, we are told the identity and the mission of this coming one. Isaiah 53, beginning in the first verse. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before us like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. And therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, turn a little bit further right in your Bibles to Matthew 27. We're fast-forwarding 400 years between when that prophecy was given and the events of Good Friday themselves. In the 27th chapter of Matthew, beginning in the 11th verse, we have one of the earliest historical accounts of the events of Good Friday. And we pick up this scene with Jesus before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Matthew 27, beginning in verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? You've said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate said to him, don't you hear the testimony of those who are against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. And at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, okay, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who was called the Messiah? Because Pontius Pilate knew it was out of self-interest that the leaders had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas released and to have Jesus executed. Which one of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with this Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked them. And they all answered, 
crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar had started, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I'm I'm innocent of this man's blood. This is your responsibility. And the people answered him, his blood is on us and on our children. And then Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed Jesus over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on Jesus' head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. And they spit on him. And they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. And they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed a written charge that said, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with Jesus, one on his right and the other on his left, and those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. And in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the religious elders mocked him. Oh, wow. He saved other people, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Okay, so let him come down now from the cross, and then we'll believe in him. He trusts in God, so let God rescue him now, if that's what he wants. Because he even said, I am the son of God. And in the same way, the rebels who were crucified with Jesus also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When those who were standing near heard this, some of them said, oh, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran, got a sponge, filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. 
and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. And they came out of the tomb after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and saw all that had happened, they were terrified. And they exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, and he had become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own tomb that he had cut out from the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. Now the next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while Jesus was still alive, he said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and then claim that he's been raised from the dead. And that last deception will be even worse than his firsts. Take the guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. Now, our third reading. Turn to Romans chapter 5. This small passage in Romans is written to an early Christian community in Rome about two decades after Good Friday. It's written by a man named Paul who only a few years earlier had encountered Jesus, the risen Christ, and was saved and called out of a literal anti-Christ life filled with violence and hatred and religious self-righteousness and self-justification and rescued and saved into a life that was centered on Jesus and his grace and power and forgiveness and love. And he went around the known world, establishing churches, helping and supporting people come to believe in Jesus and then grow in him. And to this early Christian community in Rome, Paul writes these words, Romans 5, beginning in verse 6. He says, I want you to see at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though, you know, it's conceivable for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I hope you can hear Paul straining to try and help these early believers in Jesus understand just how good Good Friday was. He's saying, do you guys understand? 
Jesus didn't die for you because you were good enough to deserve it. You were religious enough to deserve it. While we were all still sinners. And that word sinners is a rich, multifaceted term and it holds together a bunch of ideas. While we were still separated from God. While we lived indifferent to God. While we lived in rebellion to God. When our lives were completely self-centered instead of God-centered, when our lives were driven by the lust of our flesh and the lust of our eyes and the pride of life, while we were more than content to live without reference to God, while we were lost in our sin and destined for destruction, Christ died for us, making a way for us to be reconciled to God, restored back to our true humanity, a way for us to be brought back on track for a destiny of eternal hope and life. If you have the communion elements with you this morning, let's just take a moment and remember the nature of this sacrifice and give Jesus the glory for it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you that while we were still sinners, you sought us out. You came to seek and, the, seek and save the lost. You came to give your life as a ransom for many. And that includes me, Jesus. That includes us. Thank you for your love. We confess we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We haven't loved our neighbors, our health, God, and we want to. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May you give us a, a deeper revelation of your love this Good Friday so that we can follow you into the future that you have for us. Amen. On this Good Friday, look at the cross. Look to the cross. Take the bread, signifying Jesus' body given for you. And take, eat, and be thankful. And on this Good Friday, look at the cross and take the cup signifying Christ's blood shed for you to give you life and drink and be thankful. For many people, knowing that God loves them enough to enter into the worst of all things in order to secure for them the best of all things, that's enough. That's a tipping point to cause them to turn their lives over to this glorious king and master. But the truth about what Good Friday opens up for us is even bigger and better than that. Now we're going to have to wait till Easter Sunday morning, before we can fully see what Jesus accomplished on the cross and what it allows us to move into. But today, as we stare at the bloodied, lifeless Jesus on Friday, I understand why it's difficult for us to see that full scope and scale of God's redeeming plan.
But know and trust this, that Sunday is coming.